Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Father, we thank you for your amazing presence in the house today. I pray that you take us through the word time. Whatever you want us to learn, whatever you want us to be encouraged by, we give it all up to you. Your will be done, Lord, and not ours. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. So for the past few weeks, we've had very eloquent uh, speakers, most specifically my brother Matthew, Nana Kofi, and others. I just want to say it's not easy being up here to be able to speak and share, especially this is our last session on prayer. But I've been so encouraged by all the messages. One thing that um, I know has been established is that prayer is a two-way conversation with God. So as you pray, he listens. You have to listen back and then he gets back to you. He tells you what he wants to teach you. I'm going to share from my life's experiences. There's so many of them. I've tried to shrink them down in a few classic examples that God used to teach me on prayer. As I shared the last time I was here, I was a Muslim before. I'd been born into a Muslim family. It wasn't until I was 29 years old that I became a Christian. And that was in 2002. In Islam, you are taught to constantly ask for forgiveness because you're taught that if you pray, Allah is supposed to think about it, whether he wants to listen to your prayers or not. And you're trained that you're a sinner. Now, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that. But in Islam, it's a different concept completely. You are constantly asking for forgiveness. You pray through Ramadan because you need to keep asking him to forgive your sins. It's like you sin by the minute, you sin by the second. There's not much expectation of hope, a hope in the future, which we have in Christ through Jeremiah 29, 11, the future and the hope that he wants to give us. You don't really have that in Islam. Now, I became a Christian and I had to learn, but first understand that I had to listen to God as he speaks. And I thought, how am I going to do that? All my life, I've been trained. I keep praying for forgiveness, keep asking for forgiveness, keep asking for the mercy of Allah, that he doesn't allow anything bad to happen to you today. So if you've lived through today and you're going through tomorrow, you just say, oh, thank God, but I don't know what today will bring. There was no expected end to expect. How did I know that it was his voice and not my imagination? when I was learning to pray. That was my most difficult time. How do I know that when I pray, he listens to me even? Why would he listen to me? Through many dramatic instances, I had to learn to pray all over again at the age of 29 and learn that his word was prayer and a great weapon on its own. I had to learn that worship was a form of prayer. It wasn't just instruments and song because that didn't exist for me in Islam. You listen to songs just to please your soul and dance or there was nothing like listen to worship and expect that in your listening to worship and your heart opens up, you are receiving grace from God and he's speaking to you and ministering to you. That didn't exist for me. So the first couple of years, the, one of the first churches I attended, I grew up in Kumasi, by the way, I would leave home um, without a migraine, go to church and come back with a migraine because I found the music too loud for me. It just didn't minister to me. So I would struggle for one and a half hours trying to block noise. That's how I saw it, noise. 
until the Lord with his mercy brings the breaking in and you start to understand, listen to the words and not just the, the, um, the instruments. And those words became the healing words that helped to heal and restore my soul. I had to learn that having the faith to believe was actually exercising prayer. You need faith to believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what the Bible says. As I got into the habit of using a daily devotional and reading Christian literature, many of which were supplied by Brother Edwin. I mean, I met Edwin under very dramatic circumstances, and he's been a friend ever since. He's not here today, but he knows what he means to me. He was a great mentor and friend. I learned from the onset the powerful, powerful principle that he taught us. God was a gentle God, not a punitive man or a God with a cane. Hey, I want to strike you. But that's what I was trained from Islam. He was a God of order and principle. You don't just get up and say what you like and do what you like. But he was a father as well. That's another thing I struggled with. Because God was a headmaster with a cane constantly for me. So now I have to learn that this God is a father apart from my biological father. This is a father. And that God always hears us clearly without the shouting. Now everybody who knows Edwin will agree with me. That's the first thing he'll teach you. God is a God of order. And he's, the Holy Spirit, he used to say to me, is not deaf. He can hear you clearly. You don't need all the dramatics. You don't need the shouting and the screaming. He can hear you clearly. I had asked the Lord to show me in the beginning of my faith that he heals because in Islam, they recognize Jesus as the prophet endowed with the gift of healing. So for me to believe, first of all, I saw a, I had a dream and then I saw the man in white. Now, if you read many documentaries or listen to a lot of um, um, testimonies by Muslims, you know many Muslims get converted through a particular dream where they see Jesus or the man in white. So then I knew it wasn't my imagination. But the next step was, how do I live my life as a Christian? What's the difference? I'm like, okay, they say Jesus heals. So the first time I learned to really pray as a Christian was to ask the Lord, show me that Jesus heals. In the beginning of my faith, I attributed it mostly to healing from physical ailments, not recognizing that healing comes in many dimensions in many dimensions, it could be healing of the soul, of the emotions, of your attitudes, of your character. But he just had to heal. I didn't know that that request formed the basis of my prayer life. I remember in the early days of my conversion, I was still hiding the fact that I was a Christian from my parents. It took me many, many years before I could break the news to my parents. I mean, my mother found out by chance confronted me and um, these were her words you're going to rot in hell and I said that will not happen and the kind of childhood I had was not a brilliant or very emotional as in there was not much um, should I say parental bondage between the parents and the children especially from my mother's side because she'd gone through hell and back that's how she put it so the way she trained us was very um, I used to often joke and say, we have Hitler living with us in the house. That's how we grew up. So people who see me with my nephew, whom, who is my son as well, think I'm too hard on him. And I say to them, that's how I grew up, with a king, constantly. So now, I, 
I didn't, okay, I remember in the early days of my conversion, I was hiding that fact from my parents, but I'd bought a book entitled Prayer Rain. This is the book. Incidentally, I was looking for a folder last night because I'd packed this book for over eight years and actually didn't know where it was. I actually thought I'd given it out to somebody, but I was looking for a folder and I just slid the folder aside and there's the book. And then I knew the Lord wanted me to bring it here today. Okay, we move on. So I bought this book, but I still didn't know what to do with it. I'd look through the index and think, she, everything sounds complicated. Because now how do I pray as a Christian? How do you wait on God? How do you listen to God and just pray from your heart? Because you have these set time of prayers in Islam. You wash the ablution stage, and then you perform your prayers. You have your morning prayer, your mid-morning prayer, your afternoon prayer, your late afternoon prayer, your evening prayer, and then the night prayer. Basically five prayers. But each one of them, I mean, you get to a stage where you can time them. Four and a half, five minutes, you're done with each prayer. And the question becomes, what do you do the rest of the day? Your mind is not trained to pray without ceasing. As the Bible tells us from First Thessalonians, I think, 5.17. You don't have that training. Okay, so one day I get a call from my father's shop neighbor telling me my dad had been rushed to the hospital because they found him sitting on his um, office chair, stone cold, eyes closed, head bent over. He just wasn't moving and he was a thick set man, smallish man, but really thick. So they managed to carry him, put him in the car and rushed him to the hospital. And thank God the driver then knew which hospital my father usually attended. And then I get a call from this neighbor, the shop neighbor saying, prepare yourself be strong so i remember looking at the telephone and thinking what is he saying i refuse to accept that my father will die today but i still didn't know what to do so then i hung up i tell my mother she disappears to her room she can deal with with anything hard let alone the subject of death so i go and sit on my bed and my mind just brings to memory the fact that I have a book called Prayer Rain. So I hold the book and I'm fidgeting. I'm fidgeting and I'm watching my hands shaking. And all I do is I just take the book and I open it just like this to this page with healing in his wings. Now, when I found the book yesterday, I tried to do that. I thought, oh, by some miracle. I had to go through the index twice before I found the chapter on healing but I had to go through the index. But that day that this problem happened, there was nothing like check the index. I forgot. All I did was just open the book and at random with healing in his wings. Now, the way that this book operates was it has a, a scripture. It has a descriptive analysis. And then it has from number one, maybe all the way to 25 or 26, repeats after me outline. All I did was I read everything. Amen, 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 amen. And in the end, number 28, oh Lord, I thank you for answering my prayer. That's number 28. And I shut the book. Now comes the difficult part. You have to go to the hospital. So we managed, my mother and I, we got to the hospital. First thing I did was open the um, room my father was in. And I see him wiping a tear from his eye. He was wide awake. In fact, the driver said along the line, he, he woke up and asked my driver, why are you speeding? Slow down, where are we? He says, well, I have to take you to the hospital. He asked him why said, oh, I think you fainted. So for me, that arrested my attention. How simple prayer works. Simple prayer. Simple, simple prayer. But you need the faith to believe for simple prayer. So that was one aspect. And I thought, 
God had answered me, Jesus really heals. Now, God had given me many dramatic examples along this line of healing, physical healing. Now, there was a rash that formed a couple of years ago on my left hand, this particular finger. One rash. In three and a half weeks, it has spread all the way to the two hands and all the way to my wrists and it was just climbing. I attended a prayer meeting because I catered for that prayer meeting. They had a visiting prophet. I thought I'd stay. I waited during ministration time. I walk up to the prophet and I showed him my hands. And the first question he asked me is, do you believe you'll be healed? I didn't even think about it. I said, yes, because I remembered God had done it for me with my father. Yes, I'll be healed. And then by then I picked up Christianese language. This is an attack. This is not of God. So I said to him, this is not from God. I know I'll be healed. So he signals to me, bring the olive oil. He pours the olive oil in my hands and he just demonstrates. Then he says, repeat after me. I cast the root of every disease in Jesus' name. All I did was repeat that and I was waiting. I was waiting for the drama. Anything else should happen. Are you going to ask me to extend my hands, pour a gallon of oil on me? I was waiting for that, but nothing happened. Go home, my sister. Your faith has made you well. That was Friday night. Saturday, so I thought nothing about it. Saturday night, I went home. Uh, sorry, Friday night, I went home. Saturday morning, I woke up. The first thing I did was look at my hands, and I had the shock of my life. Almost everything had cleared, except five or six. I mean, they were countable, two on this hand, three here, five or six. And again, that arrested my attention. Simple prayer works. God healed. Jesus healed. I didn't ask because there are many people who would ask, but why didn't everything go away? Why did Paul have a thorn in his flesh till the day he died? That's the question we have to ask as Christians. Now I thought, oh, this is what the prophet did. He took olive oil and he said, repeat after me. So I, exactly two weeks, I continued doing that. I would use olive oil once a day at night when I was going to bed and just repeat, I cast the root of every disease in Jesus' name. I still don't know how, didn't know too much about how to pray, elaborate wonderful prayers. And that's the thing. No matter how simple your prayer is, it could be one word. It could be two words. It could be three words, Jesus, help me. That's still prayer to the Lord who created you. So exactly two weeks, everything cleared. Now I had a Muslim cousin who was monitoring. And she asked me, she's like, I don't see those um, rush, rushes anymore. I said to her, I simply used olive oil and prayed and they went. And she's like, oh, thank God. Okay. So again, I thought... The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. This is what the Lord teaches us. Because I don't know what I, if I'd said something differently to the man, I didn't know whether I'd be healed or not. But it didn't depend on that. It depended on the fact that I'd, I'd asked the Lord to show me that Jesus heals. And he was showing me in so many instances in my life. And then I learned to understand When the Lord says to you, what if, or when people ask you, what if he doesn't heal you? That's the question we struggle with today as Christians. What if physically the Lord chooses in his mercy not to heal you? What then? Where does that leave us today as Christians? Does that mean we abandon him? Does that mean because we asked for something, he didn't give it to us? So we take a different line of prayer. I mean, I was listening to an apologist. I like to listen to him occasionally. And he was given an example of 
a young boy who watched people praying. I'm just cutting a long story short. And he thought, oh, let me try this. It seems interesting. So he goes to his room. God, if you're out there, I want a new bicycle tomorrow by 6.30 in the morning. So he goes to bed. He wakes up in the morning. He doesn't find a bicycle. So he thinks, hmm, change strategy. Comes back, listens to maybe another sermon. And now he's learned how to proclaim, decree, address certain things, claim. So he does those decree and claim prayers. Nothing the next day. This time he didn't give a timeline. Now he gets the color of the bicycle. He wakes up the next day, no bicycle. On the third day, he finds a picture of the Virgin Mary in the house. So he takes the picture and gets out of the house and comes back. Then he says, Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, you better give me that bicycle. Now I thought many of us are taught to pray that way. Now, and that's where the story ended because I wanted to know what happened on the fourth day. But that maybe is a story for another day. This is what who Jesus is to us. He's so real. But he's not the kind of God, or God is not the kind of God that is just giving us every single thing we need. He needs to make a statement. The Bible teaches us we were created for his pleasure. But you need to live on this earth. You need to abide by the rules of God. Because he has a purpose and a hope from Jeremiah 29, 11, upon each and every one. But he gives us little warnings. He gives us signals. He gives us a way to live. Pray without ceasing. It's that simple. Three words. Pray without ceasing. One day in the office of my former employer, I suddenly heard the words, speak life to dry bones. I knew it must be from the Bible, but I'd never read the book of Ezekiel before. I had to Google it and find out it was Ezekiel 37.4. So I just kept repeating it to, in, to, to myself, speak life to dry I didn't know whether I had to speak life to my dry bones, my boss's dry bones, or the driver's dry bones. But all I had to do was, that's exactly how I heard it. Not the way it's elaborately put in Ezekiel 37.4, oh, son of man, blah, blah, blah. Speak life to dry bones. I kept repeating it. And then I get a call from my brother who says my father is critically ill again and is uh, in the hospital. And then he says, I think it's best you come home. So now, between the time I informed my boss, drove to the airport, parked my car there, took a flight to Kumasi, what do you think I was doing throughout and even on the flight, the 35-minute flight? I was speaking life to dry bones. So I drive, I take a, a taxi, I go straight to the hospital. As soon as my mother and my sister see me, oh, thank God, we've been here for quite a while. We're very tired. We're going home. So you relieve us for two hours. I sat with my father. He was fast asleep. He didn't even know I was there. For over two hours plus, I'd written the scripture on a stick-on note. That's how I learned to memorize I mean, Islam already trains you from a very young age to memorize scripture. All I did was, so by then I'd looked it up in the Bible. And I wrote Ezekiel 37, 4, speak life to dry bones. So I'd look at it and was repeating it constantly. When a nurse comes in, I keep quiet and say it in my head. When she leaves, speak life to dry bones, speak life to dry bones, speak life to dry bones. Two hours plus. And then my mother, my sister come relieve me. I go home. I sleep. The next morning I go to see my father. He was talking. He seemed okay. So I fly back to Accra, and then as soon as I land, I get a call from my brother saying, he's checked out, he's back home. And again, I was thinking, what happened here? I heard the Lord say, speak life to dry bones. I didn't question, I didn't know who it was for. Actually, it could have been for anyone around us, but it, it pertained to my dad at the time. 
So again, that taught me simple prayer works. My question is today, in these times, are there other forms of prayer we need to learn or tap into? What do we need to pray for? But the bigger question is, how are we praying? Does God hear us today? Do we need to shout? Does he accept our prayers when our lips don't move? Or when our hearts pray and no sound comes out? That's the question. What if he doesn't even answer prayer? Why pray? And I'd like to answer that. I think unless prayer leads you to relinquish your own will and say, Lord, what is your will? Let your will be done. We'll always struggle. Galatians 2, 19 and 20 have this to say. And I'm reading from the Amplified. For through the law, I died to the law and its demands on me because salvation is provided through the death and resurrection of Christ so that I might from now on live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, that is, in him. I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live here in this body, on this earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and yet died for me. And this is what I felt summed up my personal life so far till this date. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I've, I've been through so much that all I can say is I keep preparing for more battles, but more victories throughout the Bible. This is what I want to say today to lift and encourage us. There are so many instances of people who prayed and didn't receive their answers immediately. But guess what they did? They pressed on and this is it in today 2019 are we pressing on or are we becoming demigods decree and declare and possess instantly like magic overnight what if he doesn't answer you have classic examples of hannah from first samuel 1 verse 13 and again from the amplified hannah was speaking in her heart her mind only her lips were moving, and her voice was not heard, to the extent that the prophet, the prophet Eli thought she was drunk. But this was a woman who prayed from an anguished heart. She could have given up. She wanted one thing. She wanted a son. And God granted her the son, but it was in his time. So the way I see it, prayer works, but it's from God's perspective. It's the way he views you. He's created you for his pleasure. But he's given you rules on this earth to abide by. And I remember one of the earliest things that um, impacted me was the fact that earth is a temporary tent. It's a tent. It's not your permanent home. So we are passing through like ships passing through at night. So I constantly have to remind myself, stop holding on to the things of this earth or the woes and the worries. Because you can hang on to one thought, one negative thought, and it can ruin your state of emotion. It can ruin where your soul is supposed to go for 20, 30 years of your life, only because you hold on to something. And the way I understand it, anything we hold on to that is not of God is a God, is an idol, another God. 
So they come in many forms, shapes and sizes. The woman with the issue of blood. She overstepped a few boundaries to get a healing. But she was so sure if she touched his robe, she would be healed. So she prayed a simple prayer. If only I may but touch his robe, I will be healed. And she was healed. Was that not faith? But why did it take so long? She spent all her money on doctors. Can't really, I think it was 12, 14 or 16 years, something like that. The paralytic from John 5 verses 1 to 15, who didn't get to enter the healing waters till 38 years later. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us can wait 38 years to hear from God? You'd have given up or you would throw conditions like the boy who said, if you want to see your mother again, you better answer my prayer. Or you'd have gone wayward. You'd have decided a new religion that promises you peace, meditative, uh, uh, the lust for meditation. You're blank your mind and so you're in a total daze like you're on drugs. And really, nothing happens. The problems are still there. But with the Christian faith coming this far, I know that when we pray, his grace comes to visit you. His mercy, his goodness. And sometimes we don't see those as blessings we should ask for in prayer. Peace, joy, hope, patience, perseverance. Nana Kofi mentioned something that encouraged me. It reminded us of the fellowship of his suffering. It's in the Bible. It's not written as an addition by any other, by the 13th or 14th disciple. It's there in the Bible. Are you prepared to know God and love him and pray to him? In the fellowship of his suffering, even as you're suffering, Hannah prayed, but she, it says, the Bible says she was anguished in her soul, yet she prayed. In 2017, I came down with an illness from which I didn't think ever that I would recover. That changed my prayer life again. I had to shift now focus to worship because I actually couldn't pray anything. When my father was critically ill with cancer, I mean, eventually he retired to Lebanon and died. But God calmed me and gave me one scripture from Exodus. I will put none of the diseases of the Egyptians on you and your family. So I thought, okay, but my father still died from cancer. I've never once questioned why. I thought the Lord's will be done. He knows why. Since he's promised it, other lines in the family shall not have this sickness. This is how my mind translated it. Not, oh, are you sure you were praying? But your father died from cancer. No, and he was very peaceful and very happy to go. In fact, he warned my mother two weeks before, I'm going, you take care of yourself. And she was all like, what do you mean you're going? Where are you going? He wakes up in the middle of the night and he thanks her for taking care of him all these years and tells her, I'm more than ready to meet my maker, but I'm worried about you. You're always stressed, you're always worried. This is a man very sick, couldn't walk. So he was ready as far as he was concerned. Cancer or no cancer, death, sorry, visits all of us. However way the Lord chooses that death should visit us, it's still going to visit us. Science might progress wondrously, but all die be die. You're still going to die. I began to worship more, tapping into another form of prayer where one can find praise from a heart of pain. You don't know what tomorrow will bring, but you can still pray and thank God for your healing. So that was a scripture I quoted. You will visit us with none of the diseases you placed on the Egyptians. That's one thing, the only thing I could quote. And daily I thank the Lord for my healing. 
I didn't know when it would come. I wasn't even sure I would make it, but I thanked God for my healing. And then I learned to worship. Worship him in pain. Worship him in tears. Worship him in joy. Worship him in, in peace. Worship him when you've shut out everything and you're not sure what the next five minutes will bring, but you learn to worship. And then I realized that's another form of prayer. So because of that experience, now when I pray, I learned to ask, what would you have me learn, Lord, from any situation you put me in? And this is what I feel I want to encourage you and tell you today. Ask the Lord, in whatever I go through, what do you want me to learn from this experience? Because of that, I've learned to pray a little differently now. If it is your will, Lord, heal. If it is your will, restore. If it is your will, make a way. Maybe you, uh, you, you're in this particular job for five years. You're not happy. Every reasonable argument on the face of this earth tells you, leave the job. But what is God saying to you? Hang on a little more. But who knows best? Who has the upper hand in the end? Is it not God? That's the simplicity of the Christian faith. This is why I'm still a Christian. I haven't reverted back to Islam. And I remember around 1992, I was a bit disillusioned with Islam. It wasn't answering a lot of my questions. And um, I was a librarian in my school, my former school, for one year. And I'd find all these books and read. And I found a book on Zen Buddhism. And I thought, hmm, if I ever leave Islam, that's, I think, the next religion. And this was a Catholic school. But it's in that chapel that I first sensed the presence of the Lord. I wouldn't understand why. I mean, my mother went one day and said to the headmistress, my children are Muslims. I can't have them come home with Ash Wednesday cross or attend mass. The headmistress just looks at my mother and says, your choice, find another school. The rules in this school are everybody attends mass and participates in all the Christian lessons. I was robbed a few months ago, just July. And I found it hard to accept. I prayed. I asked the Lord's protection and the angel's protection every night. Why was I robbed? It took our brother Nana Kofi to call me and jolt me out of my one-sided mindset. My sister, you know how Nana Kofi talks and cocks his head one way, my sister. Thank God for the blessing that you were asleep when the armed robbers entered your house. They entered via the kitchen window, took their sweet time to break through the burglar bar on the inside. It wasn't outside, so it was planned. Thank God you were asleep. Thank God they didn't harm you or Adam. Thank God your house was restored in perfect order. The very next day, by my neighbor next door, sent someone to repair the burglar bar and paint it, so nothing happened. And my landlord sent somebody the very next day to restore the electric fence. And Nanakofi said, this is Ghana. Things don't get restored overnight. But they, so I learned to now shift. Look at the blessing in the storm. It did take me a couple of weeks, I assure you, to be able to sleep again, peacefully, without worrying, what if, 
And I realized, though, there are going to be so many what-ifs in our lives, whether we like it or not. This is the reality of this fallen world we live in. But where do we go from here in our prayer lives? This is what I want to challenge all of us today. Where do we go in our prayer lives? Are we hanging on to dogma that people have taught us you need to pray a certain way? You need to declare and decree. You need to memorize certain things. You need to wake up at a particular hour. It might be good for a season if God is telling you to follow that for a season. But it's not always the case. Because throughout the Bible, you have classic examples of people who simply waited on God. I mean, God will send somebody to go and call a prophet and give him a warning. Hey, you, go and tell this man, blah, 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 blah. That's the God that we serve. That's why we have the scripture, the same God yesterday, the same God today, the same God forever. And Gloria said something, with all our imperfections, he is the only one who will always stay perfect. So I think it's time we went back to this perfect God and asked him, how will you have us pray, Lord? In 2019, in this world of moral degradation, where now truth, righteousness are a matter of perspective, no more laws, very soon all Moral and godly laws will be banished. And they're doing it slowly through the, the schooling system. How are we supposed to pray? And there's one scripture that encourages me all the time in these times that we're in. And sometimes it's easy to think, oh, I'm in Africa. By the time this gloom gets to me, it's going to be 100 years. I'll be long gone. No, it's very much here. Revelations 21 verses 22 and 23 tell us we don't need a temple anymore because God will be our temple and his glory will be the light or lamp that fills the temple and my humble prayer today is that we build up enough faith the prayer of faith to press on despite the, our surroundings despite the things that happen to us daily to press on by praying constantly that we may attain strength knowing he indwells us and illuminates our lives so that we're able to achieve what he originally meant for us to possess. So I think the basic question is, why are we here? And if we can answer that, how do we pray? Not why do we pray? How are we supposed to pray in today's world? And if Edwin was here, he'd agree with me, as I know Nanakofi will agree with me. Go back to the simplicity of prayer. I mean, you have to check me in so many things. My mind was going a particular way. I was thinking I had to perform certain ritualistic things like, you know, with sage and olive oil and all kinds of things. And it's all good to anoint your home. But will that prevent the thieves from coming back again? The question you ask is, if they do come again, am I prepared? Yeah, this time I've got a pair of scissors in my bedroom ready. I've got the rolling pin. I go to bed with that under my bed. Adam has a wooden sword. Take precautions. But we'll still pray. <laughs> thank you for listening to me. I just want to thank God for what he's doing in our lives. And I just want to say that it would be gracious if we can take a few minutes like what brother Matthew taught us to do last week. And if you can stand up and just look at the person next to you and ask the person what is the dire need in your heart that you want me to pray for you for and vice versa so if we can encourage each other and pray for at least one person 
ask the person what troubles him or her. Pray for that person. Let this, that person pray for you as well. And if you want to continue further, because we're just going to enter into a time of prayer, and afterwards we'll have a few question and answer time. And let the Lord just minister to you everything you've heard today. I hope I haven't depressed anybody. I'm really not here to depress you. I'm here to tell you the truth, trust me. But there's grace. There's a song that says, gracefully broken for him. And we can all agree and end today. Not my will, but yours be done. So if we can rise to our feet, take a few moments, pray for one person next to you. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, the Bonnie Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.